Well, 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 thank you all for being here. Grab your seat, settle in. Before we get started here tonight, I want to make a special announcement. Abby McCoy, you, many of you don't know her, but Abby makes this service go every week. She's back here behind the computer. She's running the screens, she's running the lyrics, she's running the notes and the scriptures. She just is a legend. She, everything she touches turns to gold and she is getting ready to move to Valencia, Spain, España. And she's finishing up her bachelor's degree. She's going to Spain to teach English as a second language and you need to teach me English as a first language right now because I'm having it to Valencia, Spain. I can't get it out of my mouth. But can you please, you don't know her, many of you, but this, this woman makes us go. She's sweet-spirited. She loves Jesus. She's a servant. Nothing is below her. And because of that, the Lord Jesus is gonna promote her all the days of her life. So give it up for Abby McCoy tonight. We love you and we are going to miss you, Abby. So hurry back, come see us. If you have your Bibles, turn to the back of the book. Galatians, week four, we're in this series here going through the book of Galatians. It's Paul's, one of his earliest letters, if not the earliest letter. And what we're gonna say tonight is we really, really need to hear from God because if we just hear from Daniel Grothy, we're in trouble. We have wasted our time. Um, I just, every time I get up here, I just think, Lord Jesus Christ, you better speak. Because if you don't, we're all in trouble. I'm mad, we're in trouble, we've wasted our night. But God is the one who promises to speak and so we're saying we need you to speak. So I want you tonight to hear the word of the Lord from Galatians chapter two. I'll read this text and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. Here's what Paul said. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, we the insiders, not the outsiders, we know that a person is not justified. Everyone say not justified. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, we mess it up. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? And he says, absolutely not. That's a stupid argument. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. And a famous text here that maybe some of you have heard or some of you have memorized. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, speak. I pray with St. John, I must decrease and you must increase. And so Lord, I pray that 
somehow by your spirit, I'd be able to get out of the way here and let you come and thunder from on high. Let your voice reverberate through this room. Let your word race through this place and race through our hearts. Lord, speak to us and challenge us and shape us and renew us and make us your people again, we pray. Lord, we pray may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer, and we pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I remember when our first child Lillian was really little and we knew from the airlines that we had two years for her to travel for free. And so we were going to make it worth it. So we just, we had Lillian and we said, you know, we're not coming into her family. She's coming into our family. And so you come with us and you do what we do and we'll show you the way. And so we're buying, you know, cheap Southwest tickets and we're flying to Scottsdale and we're going to San Diego and meeting parents there. And we're going back to Tulsa and Lillian's traveling with us. And she was really very verbal early. She, she didn't walk till she was 16 months old, but she was talking, you know, full sentences when she was nine months, just, just talking a lot. So we get on this flight and she's probably 18 months old at this point. And I look over her as, at her as we're taking off and I see her going, Daddy, my ears hurt. My, and and we're, so we, we had our bag packed. You know, we got everything, everything. And, and so Lisa hands me a piece of gum and I hand Lillian this piece of gum and I go, Lillian, here, you know, take this. This gum will help your ears. And she, oh, thanks, Dad. And, and I turn away to put the trash up and I look back at Lillian and she's putting the gum in her ear. <laughs> I, I don't get it. <laughs> Baby, that's not how that works. <laughs> that, that's not how that works, as cute as that was. I, I think actually that sort of question arises in this text. Like, how does justification by faith work? Like, how are we made right with God? How, how does it work? And Paul is looking at these people who are essentially trying to, you know, do this thing, like trying to make themselves right with God in a way that will never pay off, in a way that will never work. And so Paul starts talking to them about justification, and he says, it does not work simply by a strict adherence to the law, to those words that God gave to Moses up on Mount Sinai, as great as the Torah is, and it, and it is, it just, it's not ever going to be enough for you. And he says, we who are Jews by birth, what he's saying is, we've been the ones who've had the, the good book the whole time. Like, we are the insiders. We've been looking at God face to face from the very beginning, and we're the ones, the Jews by birth, and we're not those sinful Gentiles, but even we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. Typically, when we hear texts like this, we start building up this straw man argument. And yeah, you know, uh, we hear no man will be justified by the law and we act as if the law is intrinsically bad. Yeah, the law. The law can't ever do the heavy lifting and it can't save you in the law. It's so bad. And all those ancient people who used to try to earn their salvation and uh, yeah, we start talking bad about the law as if it's intrinsically bad, but tonight I want to say no, 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 no. The law is good. 
Psalm 19, read it. The psalmist erupts with with joy at the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And the statutes of the Lord are good and making wise the simple. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. And how can a young person keep their way pure? By hiding their face in the law. Like the law is good. But when we get to texts like this where Paul says, no one can be saved by the law, we start acting as if the law is intrinsically bad. And I'll say, no, the law is good. And Lisa and I, when we were dating, uh, we, we chose to, to be pure. We, we're we're going to wait until we're married to have sex. And so we, ha- and we, we were, okay. And our parents were encouraging us. And I've told you before, my dad, you know, we'd go out on dates and he'd hold up a Bible. He'd say, put this in between you because it's hard to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and put your hands on her, you know. You know, okay, dad, thanks, preacher joke, you know. But like our parents were encouraging us and we were raised in good churches and, you know, like stay clean and stay pure and we, we wanted to do that. And so we'd made that commitment to, but that doesn't mean that it was easy, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, so anyway, we, we, were, we were working on that. We were praying and we were trying to memorize scripture and late, you know, like don't touch it. And I, you know, that long drive home every night, I was just so frustrated. I just, I love this woman. Can, Can we please be married? And, you know, so like, but the law, the rigid rule following the obedience, the strict adherence to the law, that's really good stuff. And it saved us a thousand griefs along the way. And so let's not go, okay, Paul says no one can be saved by the law, therefore the law is bad, and I'm just a grace person and this kind of sloppy, cheap grace thing that Bonhoeffer was fighting against. No, the law is good, but it babysits us and it guides us until we fall in love with the word of God himself, Jesus. So the law is not bad, the law is good. Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. So the law is good. Obedience, practicing, living up to, hiding the word of God in your heart. And which of the 10 commandments, if you obeyed them, would actually be bad for you? Like, tell me. None of them. So the law is good. But the other extreme is trying to make the law our Lord. Some people will try to be saved by all of the, you know, the execution, the adherence to the law. But but if you swing the pendulum over here, the other extreme is trying to make the law our Lord. And, And we're happy with ourselves when we seem to be doing it well, when we're, you know, crushing it, when we're mining our P's and Q's and we're dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and we're, you know, we're keeping God's, we're happy when it's working and then we're down on ourselves and in despair when we fail. And then if we, if we put too much of our life behind the law and think that, you know, it's our way into salvation, what we end up becoming is sort of the universal policeman, you know, of everybody else who's doing it wrong. And if you could just do this and, oh, I don't think you follow the Sabbath. And and it's just really miserable when you live that way. So the law is not intrinsically bad, but some of us try to make the law our way through. And so Paul is creating these tensions and he's saying to us that justification 
is not found through the law. Justification before God is found through our union with Jesus Christ by faith. Everyone say union. Union, it's a theological term. It's our participation with Christ by faith. That the way we are made right before God, the way we get engrafted into righteousness and right standing before God is not by saying, I have done this and God, you should accept me. It's by saying, God, your son Jesus Christ is the perfect one and he has come and he's given himself for the life of the world and he's called, come and follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I look at Jesus and I say, yes, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And I'm going to try to follow Jesus. And what happens is our lives begin to be engrafted into the life of Jesus. It's called union. It's called participation with. And this, Paul says, is the way that a human being is justified. We are justified by faith in Jesus. And Paul says in verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. I've been united with Christ. Union, participation. But the question I wanna ask tonight is if this is the way that we find ourselves justified before God, being united with Christ, what does it look like to be united with Christ? And Paul uses a very particular word here that I want us to pay attention to tonight. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Throughout the New Testament, the image that Paul is using here when he talks about crucifixion is the image of baptism. Baptism, I've, I've baptized hundreds of people here uh, throughout 16 plus years at New Life Church, and it is really one of the great delights of my life to watch people go through the process of saying, I've decided to follow Jesus, and they're hearing his voice and responding and saying yes and coming in, drafting in behind Jesus. They're being united with Jesus, and you can almost watch it happen in, in a person's life in real time. Children coming into the waters of baptism. I got to baptize my own three children in this room with Lisa. And what an amazing experience. And Paul takes this word crucified and he matches it up with the imagery of baptism. Baptism, we, in our big room over here, the living room, we, when we were building the building in 2003 and 2004, we made an architectural decision based on a theological conviction. When we were building that building, we built the baptistries into the floor in the shape of a cross. So you, you walk down the steps into the waters and it's shaped like a cross, which is to say, if you're gonna follow Jesus, you walk down into death with Jesus and you get buried in his death, you get baptized into his death and you come up into resurrection life and you walk out of the steps up into resurrection life. Like you've got to die with Jesus to live with Jesus. Do you see this trajectory? This, tra this, this is what happens. The Christian life is the life of going down, getting dunked into death with Jesus and getting raised up into newness of life. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've baptized so many people. I remember one guy, uh, I remember he, he's a, a grown man, grown, grown man, like could work me over a big dude and, and uh, gruff and real, you know, strong, strong character, loud character. And he, he came and got in the water right over here. And he said to me, uh, pastor, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do for me tonight. I said, I'm the one in charge. And I, I didn't say that, I thought that. Um, but he said, pastor, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do for me tonight. 
He's got his family all around him. He said, you're gonna dunk me and you're gonna hold me under for a really long time. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, no, I've done a lot of bad crap. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say that if he didn't say it, but he said, I've done a lot of bad C word, you know, and, and you're gonna hold me under for a really long time and I'll pinch your arm when I want you to bring me up. <laughs> this guy's weird. There's a Mormon church down the street that I'm sure would love to have you. That's what I was saying. I'm, just ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's, it's okay. So he got in right here in this tank. And he's sitting here looking up at me like this. And he goes, you got the plan? I got the plan. Great. So I put him down. And I start seeing bubbles come up. And his kids are getting scared and his wife is getting scared and he hasn't pinched my arm yet. And I'm starting to think I'm gonna get arrested for involuntary manslaughter. And then finally he pinches my arm and he comes, and he gets up out of the water and he starts pumping, yeah! Like I have been, like this is a guy who was aware of how much he needed washed away. Like how much in him needed to go down and die and never come up again. And he had been to the very bottom of the depths of death and he'd been identified with Satan. He'd been identified, there wasn't union with Christ. There was union with the ways of sin and death and destruction and he knew every single bit of it and he could not wait to get under the waters of baptism and go get crucified with Jesus and identify with him so that he could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he got out of that water and I've watched that guy for the last seven, eight years, live a beautiful life following Jesus and it's touched his family and it's touched his community. But you know where it starts? It starts with death, crucifixion, getting buried in the waters with Jesus, going under and letting all of that stuff be washed away. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? The the Greek language, Paul says, I have been Crucified. The Greek word there for I is ego or ego. Ego, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego has been decentered. I am no longer the center of the universe. I am no longer the organizing principle of the world. I have been crucified. I went under and I moved out of the way, and it's Christ that lives in. Me, my preferences are moving to the periphery. I'm no longer the center of the universe. My ego starts dying and the spirit of Jesus starts living in me. I go down, he comes up in me. I have been crucified with Christ. And he says, I'm beginning to be animated by the divine life. I think that this is the image that we've always got to carry with us. We don't ever graduate from crucifixion with Jesus. Bedtime's really hard for me around my house. If you've been around here, you've heard, heard me tell stories. I'm done at about seven o'clock at night. But these kids are just getting started. <laughs> so Lisa, she's like, you know, you got this. We're gonna make it, baby. We're gonna make it. You know, I believe in you, Daniel. She puts on Eye of the Tiger. She's like, you can make it. <laughs> and at bedtime, she's like, you know, Daniel, shh. I'm exaggerating a little bit for effect, but not a whole lot. 
and we're tucking them in and that you put them in bed and, and you think you're done and you shut the door and two minutes later, they're bouncing around downstairs and they're yelling and they want cereal and they, they need everything, right? And Lisa's like, Daniel, you've been crucified with Christ, you know? She, and I'm like, someone's about to get crucified if they get in that bed. But when I'm doing it right, I shut my mouth and I go, Jesus, like, 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 I have preferences. Would you bury that in me and would you bring me up into resurrection life? Have you ever been taken advantage of by a coworker? Someone stole a commission that was yours. Someone messed with you. You gave someone a loan that you, you, it was just a handshake and you thought their word was good. And five years later, you still don't have the money and you don't ever expect to see it again. What do you do? Like there are two options. We can bow up and we can fight and we can go be our vindicator and make our world right and get the last word. Or we can go down and say, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is not I that uh, lives anymore but it's Christ that lives within me and the life I live in the body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me and so you come up with this new perspective and with this freshness of forgiveness and Lord Jesus bless those that curse me how in the world could Jesus hang on a cross and say father forgive them. It's because he's living the life of crucifixion always, which always leads to resurrection life. Have you ever been spoken evil against? Your first instinct is to get the last word. I'll show you and I'll tell, the, I'll tell my side. Of, and, and Paul goes, look, you can live the ego life or you can live the crucifixion life. I have been crucified my ego goes under it's no longer about me getting the last word it's about me trusting Jesus because as I watch Jesus live this story of hanging on a tree outside of Jerusalem it really looked bad for a stretch I mean they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and it looked like it was done but when you live the crucifixion life you end up living the resurrection life on Sunday morning like it always ends up in resurrection and Paul says I have been crucified and if you will live the life of union with Jesus, trusting him in his death, you will live the life of resurrection. I wish I could tell you there was an easier way. Wish I could tell you there was a really fun way. I wish I could tell you the cross was, you know, blessed and highly favored and a nice weekend get away. It's not. It costs everything, it's painful, it it doesn't feel right, the math doesn't add up, but if you'll just trust Jesus into crucifixion, your trajectory will be down and then up, down and then up, and it always ends with up. Friends, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of union with Christ. This is the way of identifying with him in his death. And the question is how can we live this way, what we do, Paul says, look up, look up at Jesus on the cross. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the body. Like we're, we're still alive. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You can live this way because Jesus Christ already lived this way. 
You can identify with him in his death and you can trust him to raise you up into everlasting life. Paul says you can live this way because Jesus gave himself for you. He paid the price and you don't have to spend your life protecting yourself. Jesus on the cross did not get the record straight. You realize he didn't die and go, no, that's not true and what what Herod said about me and what Pontius Pilate said about me and what the religious leader, he didn't say anything. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when you identify with Jesus and trust him to be your vindicator, what you see is he is the one who will lift you up out of the depths of death and he will raise you up into everlasting life. You can turn the other cheek because Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. You can bless those who curse you because Jesus blessed you and me when we had cursed him. And so this is what union with Christ Looks like, And my question is, what would it look like if the people of God left the building and started identifying with Jesus in this way? Our toxic political culture might be rebuked. The tribalism might actually be addressed by people who love each other and who go out and show what forgiveness looks. Oh, it's okay. Bless you. We start living with bread and cup for the world. Why? Because every week we come and we identify with Christ and we're brought into union with him and we're made righteous and we leave here not just forgiven, but we leave here with bread and cup for a world that is hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and who gave himself For me, friends, tonight, it's a simple call. It's a costly call, but it's a simple call to union with Jesus Christ. If you wanna be made right with God, it's not gonna be you going out and showing the world how great you are. If you, live in, if you want union with God, it's not gonna be because of your strict adherence to the law, though the law is fantastic. If you want to be made right with God, you're gonna spend your life climbing into the baptismal waters and getting buried into death with Jesus and watch him raise you up into resurrection life. Can you say amen tonight? Stand with me tonight, church. If you'll get your communion elements ready, this is precisely the right thing to do after reading a text like this. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, He took the bread and he looked at his people. And I sincerely believe that every time we come to this moment, he looks at us. This wasn't just a historical event. By the spirit, this is an ongoing participation, a union with Christ. Jesus looks at us tonight. He takes the bread and he breaks it. Would you break that little wafer there? And he says, this is my body, which is crucified for you. It's baptized into death for you. It's broken for you. And Jesus giving us this bread, it's not just, hey, there you go. It's him saying, I want you to take this kind of life and live this life too. I want you to identify with the brokenness. I want you to step into the story that I'm living out in front of you. Be engrafted into this story. Be made 
to be united with this story. This is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, he says, remember me. This is why we have the cross on top of our building. To say we remember Jesus. We remember that crucifixion and newness of life is the cyclical story that we're always living. And so tonight, as we hold this bread, this broken bread from Jesus himself, begin to ask Jesus to give you the grace to live this way. Jesus, help me. Jesus, teach me. Jesus, baptize me in your life. (laughs) Jesus, help me to be acquainted with following you into the crucifixion that becomes new life. Jesus, we need you. We are not naturally good at this. We want to fight back. We want to resist. We want to speak up for ourselves. We think we have to be our own vindicators. Jesus, you will have to heal us tonight if we're gonna be healed. And so Jesus, we say, we remember you. We remember you. We remember you. You may receive the bread tonight. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine. He said, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. This is again, baptism language, remission of your sins. When you get dunked in the water, it's washed away. So Jesus, tonight, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness for all the things that we have done And for all of the things that we have left undone, the things that are not like you, all the ways we haven't participated in union with you, Jesus, we pray that you'd wash us. Would you ask him right now for forgiveness? Would you ask him to cleanse you? Would you ask him to create in you a clean heart, O God? Renew a right spirit within you. Jesus, we need to be cleansed by your work, We need to be washed in your blood. We need to be made new tonight. Baptize us in your life. Friends, forgiveness is made available to you through Jesus Christ. Tonight, receive the union that only he can give you. Let's drink. Let's worship the Lord together. Just to bite of Jesus
sing. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Come on. Isn't he wonderful? Come on, church, lift it up. Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. you to think of this. I want you to think of that crucifixion, that downward trajectory, that downward mobility that actually ends up being life. Mature saints end up falling in love with bowing down before him. So let's sing it. Oh, what a Savior. Come on, from the depths of your being, church.
would you open up your hands to receive the benediction, the blessing of God Almighty, who has only and always loved you. (laughs) Union was his desire from the beginning. Father, make us one with you. Make us one with you in death and in resurrection. Make us one with each other as we no longer fight to keep score and try to be the global policemen of of everyone else's ethic. Lord, help us to just die to that and be raised to newness of life. And I pray for my friends that you would bless them and that you would keep them and that you'd make your face to shine upon them. And be gracious to them, Lord. Lift your countenance upon them and grant them peace tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. One more time, let's give it up for what the Lord has done here tonight. Really good to be with you, to be together. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you have any prayer needs, we would love to agree with you in in prayer. If you're new, come see us in the back at Connect Central and the Guest Central in the back. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.